Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, as I speak, it's Friday, September 11th, 2020. September 11th, 2020. 19 years after the first September 11th. Uh, the headline in Chicago Sun-Times says it all, at least in regards to what we will be discussing uh, in the next half hour or so. And the headline is over uh, an article, an excellent article by dear friend of the show, young Tom Tommy Shuba. Uh, Tom, two joint Shuba, as we call him. Uh, social equity pot licenses could go to firms tied to $3 billion weed company co-founder. How the state of Illinois has allowed this to descend into such a debacle, I do not know. Tom Shuba, outstanding job, Tom. Really proud of you, young man. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking about this topic. That's a perfect segue into uh, introducing our guests. I always ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. So I'm going to start with a distinguished guest whose first name begins with a V and ask him to introduce himself. Go ahead, distinguished guest. Okay. Uh, this is Vincent E. Normand, uh, the Marijuana Hall of Fame founder and also chief marketing officer for Parkway Dispensary and some other things in the cannabis space that uh, I'm sure we'll mention throughout the uh, show. And he's also a frequent guest on the Ben Jarofsky show. Often we talk about sports. So we're going to close this interview. I'm going to force Vincent E. Norman to make a prediction. Don't duck in a dodge in those. <laughs> no, you're going to make it about tonight's uh, Toronto-Boston game, which I cannot wait to watch. Game seven, the deciding game. But before we do that, I'm going to ask my other distinguished guest, my partner in crime from the Chicago Reader, uh, who joins me in all, all my cannabis conversation shows, the great, the marginal, the legendary. Allow her to introduce herself. Go ahead, distinguished guest. Uh, ben, you are so kind. It's Lisa Solomon, and thank you for having me back again to co-host the Cannabis Conversation segment. All and right. Vincent, we're so glad to have you here. And for anyone who knows anything about the cannabis licensing here in Illinois who, or who read that article today, uh, has got to be completely up in arms. So there were 937 unique applicants that filed 4,518 applications for this round of 75 dispensary licenses. And thank you, Tom Shuba, for those updated numbers. So... Vincent, will you tell us what your involvement has been and your experience with this? Uh, you know, I, I guess my involvement is uh, is, is one being on uh, uh, the team of Parkway uh, Dispensaries for BC Cannabis as their chief marketing officer working, uh, you know, on, you know, branding, um, 
of course, uh, the name Parkway Dispensary into the community. We've been doing a lot of community engagement, been all over the city of Chicago, from the Pilsen neighborhood to Bronzeville, High Park, um, <clears throat> Roseland, Inglewood, you name it. Uh, just getting our name out there and also just getting involved with the community and uh, just taking a pulse on uh, who really want a dispensary uh, in that particular ward, a particular area. And so the community engagement has been really uh, outstanding. The leadership of uh, the staff and uh, the team in general uh, at Parkway. And so it's, it's just been really phenomenal. And so it's really disheartening to uh, see that we were, you know, four points, I believe, off from being uh, selected to the lottery. And uh, just, you know, and, and looking at now the way the system was set up and, and starting to see a lot of the deficiencies, the, the things that are coming out, uh, the woodwork, uh, is again, it, it just sets things back. Like, what was this whole thing about social equity? It doesn't make sense. Right. And to clarify, there are only 21 entities that made it through to this lottery round. So it's only 21 groups that are eligible to get these 75 licenses. And you and I think have been involved with a lot of conversations about social equity in this application process over the past week. And I've been hearing that there have been a lot of scoring discrepancies that people that submitted identical licenses for different regions or the same regions got different scores on those applications. Is that something that you have been hearing? Yes, as well, you know, uh, case in point, uh, some people, you know, maybe one or two boxes wasn't checked, but still got a perfect score or uh, was missing a piece in the process. And uh, I guess that was overlooked. And yeah, it's like I said, again, uh, you know, who was really scoring and who was really looking, you know, and then when you see uh, the the flow of the money, the finances at the top of the pier, you really start to wonder, was this really, again, pay to play? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm frustrated, but I'm also very, very disappointed in uh, the fact that the governor, J.B. Prisoner, has not come out and said that uh, uh, this is not uh, what uh, the state uh, meant for this to be. Um, we know that this has been held up as a supposed to be the model for the future of other states like New Jersey, New York, et cetera, et cetera, that will come into the, the for a recreational uh, cannabis. And so this was supposed to be going to be the tell-all and the, the model uh, to go forward. We were going to be the leader in the industry right now. This is a debacle and this has failed. I don't think anyone would say this is any type of model that they would want to follow. Um, right. And looking at the list of who actually has a spot in the lottery, which as of now, I understand it's still scheduled to be drawn on September 3rd. There are certain firms that have 37. Wait, not September. Th what, what? September. September 23rd. My bad. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. That there are some entities that have 37 or 38 spots in the lottery. So no one can have more than 10 licenses. So if they max out, the rest of their spots will just be thrown away. But it's just right there. There's not any equity in that. Um, 
So given the current state, I know there have been some lawsuits filed. Some people have been talking about injunctions. Where do you stand and other people that you've talked to that, like you, felt a few points short, which is definitely within an error of margin in this type of scoring? <clears throat> you know, uh, today, um, I, I think, you know, there was a hearing uh, uh, downtown. Uh, a suit that was uh, presented. I'm not sure, um, you know, how that was, you know, how it's going to move forward, but a company, uh, Levy Suit, uh, uh, asked other applicants to join them. Uh, and so I think a recruiting process of getting others who feel uh, that they uh, was wrongfully scored or wasn't given the really the opportunity to uh, get into the lottery process. So right now, as it stands, I think that uh, several um, applicants or groups are filing the suit. And uh, from what I hear, uh, even though those things are going to be put in, into play, it still won't stop the lottery process. And uh, I just uh, was texting uh, Alderman uh, Janetta. Taylor, when she was on the show uh, yesterday with Ben, and we were just talking about, and she, you know, she was saying to me that she and the Black Caucus is really, uh, you know, getting t together and putting some, uh, I guess, some, some, some paper, some pen to paper, <laughs> and uh, really kind of make a point of this needs to stop before any lottery or any other process go forward until we find out exactly <clears throat> what actually happen well i'm going to make a prediction i do believe they'll uh, postpone it i could be wrong i've been known to be wrong in my predictions before vincent and lisa doesn't stop me from making them but two things right. one there's a lawsuit so they could seek an injunction from the judge uh, that would force the state to stop and two there's political pressure building uh on jb prinsker and you mentioned that jeanette taylor was on the show yesterday Alderwoman jeanette taylor the 20th ward in woodlawn on the south side of chicago and she was adamant about it uh, that the city, the state owes it to people for an explanation. And, and, and let me just point this out. And Lisa made this clear, and Vincent's been on the show and has made this clear in the past. The everything was set up to make sure that Black-owned groups or groups uh, that come from areas that have been hit hardest by the so-called war on drugs would have a upper hand. They would have an advantage. This was an intention to undo all the wrongs that have been done in the war on drugs for all these years, Vincent E. Norman, and you know all those wrongs that have been done, particularly to the black community on this war on drugs. And so we come out of the box and we find that there's just 21 applicants for 75 licenses automatic i mean like you got power why are you giving more than one license possibly to an applicant when you're trying to be as fair as you can i vincent i have not understood that from the get-go well let, let me say this i uh you know uh i did take the liberty of uh, uh moving out to las vegas and uh <clears throat> It was a similar situation uh, where the licenses were issued out and there were uh, uh, particular parties uh, that was awarded. <laughs> no, we're not talking about a lottery here. It was awarded like eight and there was one group that was awarded like 10 licenses. And so they did file a lawsuit and uh, the judge, uh, 
you know, stop the process, stop the license from being issued out. And so I think today, I think they went back and uh, recalibrated and uh, kind of did a restart or reset and go back and say, okay, we're going to look at this and, and see the fairness of it. And so uh, I think those things have been corrected. I, I'm not sure exactly how it all played out, but, you know, I was down there. I was down there in the court system. I uh, went down to City Hall when they were, uh, you know, talking to the uh, the aldermen and the state legislators about uh, the, the way uh, that was taken into account and how those licenses were issued out unfairly. So, uh, again, I think that... Um, you know, you might be right. Maybe, you know, JB, maybe uh, the judge will uh, put a junction or some type of a hold or lean to kind of recalibrate uh, uh, this thing. But uh, it, I know it kind of worked out in Vegas. Um, again, I'm hoping uh, that something gives here in Illinois because clearly this will not be the model for any other state to follow whatsoever. So here we are. There are a couple of points I want to make is that the state limited this round to 75 licenses while 425 will still remain. So they could correct anything they saw that didn't go that should in this round. But there are groups that have put hundreds and hundreds of hours, if not thousands, and spent a fortune doing this, not just the application fee, but it, it costs your money. I mean, your time has value. And in some instances, you needed to pay attorneys to read over what you had written. Some people had the funds to pay attorneys and other experts to write it. Well, that put equity applicants at a disadvantage. The other thing is these groups that have multiple licenses in, there is really very little transparency at this stage. So while you had to get all your social equity ownership points in the scoring rubric to get through to the lottery, we don't know who actually is a true equity applicant and which might be groups that just went out and paid someone to be on the application that is from an area that had the arrest. So we really don't know that. And that's one of the things people are calling for is let us know who these people are. Yes, transparency, I think, is important at this stage. Um, you know, uh, there, like I said, again, uh, Tommy Schubert wrote a great article today, uh, kind of identifying some of the firms. And I know you kind of joked a, a little bit, Ben, about the names. But, you know, actually, when I looked at it, <laughs> you know, the, the names kind of resonate. How about this dealer, dealership? LLC. Mm -hmm. So kind of dealer, you know, mm -hmm. mm, drug dealer, mm -hmm. cannabis mm -hmm. dealer, dealership, LLC. And then the other one, clean slate. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, play with the word clean slate. Let's start all over again. Give these, you know, people that were wrongfully charged and imprisoned a clean slate. So I think that the firm is playing off the name clean slate. LLC. So uh, if, if you think about it, it is kind of a couple of clever names there. So uh, at first when you said it, I kind of chuckled. But then after I kind of really looked at the names, I said, you know, it is kind of in reference to marijuana, in reference to cannabis. So, uh, you know, give them kudos for that. But still, uh, I'm not giving them kudos for the fact that they're being awarded so many slots in the lottery. How could they lose? Right. So I'm looking at the scoring rubric right now, which I don't think it was till until the second round of FAQs 
for applicants that they really spelled out what you were getting points for. So some people were pretty far along, had their teams established. It wasn't going to work for them to redo everything. But 30 points out of the 250 are given for knowledge and experience in cannabis or related fields. So it might be that Clean Slate Holdings LLC, which actually has 75 lottery spots, 37 through one entity, 38 through another, could be viewed as supporting equity applicants, helping them to get that, helping to ensure they have capital. And that's all good if the people that are the equity members of the group will actually have full control uh, or the controlling interest in the business. And that's what we don't know. Right. And then, and, and I'm glad you said that, Lisa, because really, if, again, if that is the case and the transparency is there, then as I said before, I'm cheering for the winners, the minority own who, because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it needs to be a colorful rainbow yes. of owners in Illinois in this cannabis space, because we already know to date, there has been almost closely, probably now, at least $400 million made here in Illinois across the dispensaries. And uh, none of that money, none of that profit is uh, going out to minority, whether black and brown people or women in general. And uh, that is really unacceptable. And uh, for us to be moving right along to this, I, I, it's unbelievable. Well, I, I, I get to be very specific about it. And I don't know if Lisa or Vince are going to agree with me, but I'm just going to say it. I think it should be black owned. And uh, because the war on drugs hit hardest in Chicago anyway, and I know this because I lived in this city since 1981, uh, Vincent E. Norman, the war on drugs hit hardest at black communities. And I just feel that fair is fair. And the state of Illinois should bend over backwards to make sure that these licenses go to black owned firms or firms at the very least to Lisa's point that can show they've got black people up front doing meaningful work with the company. And now Lisa explained to me that there are limitations in the, uh, the way the, uh, the program was promoted. You couldn't specifically give points to black people. That would have been illegal. That's what has been explained to me, Vincent. So that's why they come up with all this social equity stuff to beat around the bush. Do you well, you know, I, I, I think that was a, I think that was kind of a cop out, and I think that really, and I, and 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 I hope uh, all all the women Taylor, Jeanette Taylor, don't uh, hold us against me, or the Black Caucus don't hold us against me. But I think that uh, day one, day two, there should have been a little bit more fight about what was going on, and the fact that uh, race wasn't a part of this. You know, say what you want, but at the end of the day, uh, I feel that that's an argument that could have stood the test of time for the simple fact that uh, in the initial stages of license being handed out on the medical side, there, the funding was in the finances was so high that let's face it, they knew that pretty much 90 to 95% of the owners were going to be white men, mm -hmm. you know, 
that was really financial. When you're talking about initially having a capital of a quarter of a million dollars, not to mention that's just to start the licensing process. And then you have all these other barriers and all these other financial barriers that's going to come up. And then at the end of the day, somewhere into the millions, um, um, it, it, it's, it just doesn't add up. You know, uh, the cost does not uh, add up for uh, minorities of, you know, people of black and brown people of color and uh, black folks in general. Lisa, do you have a question before I uh, jump in and ask him something? You can go right ahead, Ben. I know you're itching to get onto sports. Well, no, no, we're not going to get to sports yet. Uh, okay. we still Ten more minutes or so before we get to sports. All right. But uh, so, Vincent, you went through the application process. And uh, why don't you give our listeners a little taste of uh, the kind of information they asked and uh, the amount of legal advice you had to get uh, to get this far. And I'm just going to try to figure out from uh, what, what they're asking for, what they were seeking, how it could possibly be that this kid, and I could say this kid because I'm old, the picture was in Tom Shuba's story. It looks like he's about 19 years old. Uh, and he represents a firm that's got like, he's a co-founder of a firm. It's $3 billion weed titan. I'm just still trying to figure out how this young feller got figured it out so that he got a whole, he's, he's still in the race and you're not. And I'm looking at Vincent E. Norman and he's a black man from Englewood and he was a Marine. Okay. Semper Fi. All right. He's a Marine. So go ahead, Vincent. So, you know, just to kind of understand the process, uh, you had to be, uh, you know, one of the, one of the qualifications uh, is that you had to be in an an impactful area, a community uh, living there um, uh, three, five years uh, and living in that impact area. So that was one of the things that they looked at really uh, hard was, uh, to see where you're a taxpayer in that community, in that area that suffered uh, heavily penalties uh, during the war on drugs. The other thing that they looked at was, did you get arrested or were uh, somewhere involved in a misdemeanor or that involved cannabis in any form, shape uh, that uh, impacted uh, your life? And then uh, the, the, some of the, the other thing that I, I wanted to touch on was the, the veteran status and, and, and talking to uh, Michael uh, Malcolm, uh, which, you know, I'm sure he's going to be coming on the show. Uh, we, we, we talked about that. And one of the things that he, his group was saying, it's no way that every license issue is going to be veteran status. He just not, he just, they couldn't believe that 51% of uh, ownership had to go to the veteran. And if you think about that, and, and I'm a veteran, okay? So, hey, you veterans out there, you know, I'm defending you guys, but I gotta defend, you know, the black and brown people here. You know, what if they would have said 51% of ownership had to go to people of color or women in the space? You know, what if that language would have been the reverse? And then we would, I think we would have had a little bit more even playing field here. Because when you think about the veterans, veterans could be white, Asian, hmm? No, so there's a loophole here when you think about the qualifications. So you put a veteran in that spot, 
holding 51%. You got to really comb through those applications and look at the details of who is uh, considered a veteran and uh, just how that played out. Because I think from the start, uh, a lot of applicants did not believe that the state would issue all those license or qualifications thereof to the fact that it had to be 51%, which they did. And a lot of applicants lost right off the, right off the bat because they did not have that qualification. They did not have 51% ownership of a veteran because again, they did not believe that the state would lean that heavy toward that. Even though the state said that was one of the qualifications that they were going to look at heavily. So it, it brings to, to the point on the war on drugs and what, and what we're talking about here is that, you know, we know there's veterans that came home and maybe uh, using opioids or using uh, marijuana and, and et cetera, et cetera, uh, as a you know depressor. But the war on drugs affected the African-American community. So if the Illinois was really trying to get this right, I think they should have made that a priority. I really do. What do you think, Lisa? I think that is so true. And you went through one of the incubators run by an MSO, correct? Cresco? Yes, Cresco Lab. Okay, and they have said not a single one of the people in their incubator made it through the lottery because they didn't have any that were 51% veteran owned. So right there for this huge MSO running an incubator, not to even tell people that they're working with that it's going to be that important, people must not have thought that. Um, well, well, let me let me stop you there. We Parkway Dispensary had fifty one percent ownership of veterans. Now, now, now I'm gonna let you finish. Also, GTI had the leak program as well, the incubator, the mm-hmm. pro bono, and not one of their uh, participants made it as well. I, I just I gotta look at that. I'm like, wow. So you're getting coached by some of the you know, largest multi-state operators in the country, publicly traded companies in the Canadian Stock Exchange. And with their coaching, you didn't even get the best possible advice. So the veteran points are only five out of 250 points. So I also want everyone to be clear that the equity points, the legislators had determined that they didn't feel it was legal to say people had to be black or brown skin to get the equity points. So we were allowed to submit a plan to hire a certain percentage of people of color. And I think 17 of the 21 entities that made it through to the lottery actually have persons of color um, as owners, but that means that four groups don't have anyone of color that is even claiming to be the owners. It's, it's still up for you know dispute as to how many of those are actually truly run by equity applicants. So yeah, there were a lot of holes in this. I think the legislators who did this went in with the best of intentions. I think there was a lot of negotiation and I think there were some things, well, we know there were some things that were obviously missed that could have been done much better. So 
Do you think that this, I hate to put you on the spot, do you think that the awarding of the 75 licenses should be postponed? Because we know there are people that will be hurt by even further delays. We're already months later, but yet it's also not fair to let people like you, your group, who were so close when it could have just been a scoring error because people view things differently, be completely shut out of this lottery. You know, uh, I... I'm torn between the two. <clears throat> I know that the delay process would uh, would really benefit those who are, you know, operating right now, which again falls back to uh, white men over the age of 45, and um, you know. So, uh, but then also I understand that if this is not looked at with a fine tooth comb and really find out who's, you know, going to be guiding the ship. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's going to be a huge scar on Illinois. And, and do we re- really need another scar? Mike Manigan, uh, the last three governors of, out of the four being locked up. Uh, and, and, and so this, this, this becomes to the point that, you know, when is the corruption going to stop? And uh, in, in the leadership at the top, is anybody willing to defend, uh, you know, uh, the cannabis industry with integrity the right way? Or are we going to continue to turn a blind eye, let minority-owned businesses or applicants, let minorities uh, and women and suffer uh, through this uh, continuously? And uh, then this is just going to play out again. Because even in Colorado, they're dealing with uh, an issue of social equity that they're trying to get together. And I'll think about this also. Maine just now opened up a recreational uh cannabis store and that's been on hold for three years they're trying you know so this thing where when it gets into the courts it can really hurt a lot of It hurts them and it helps others because if you let these 75 go through now without giving you and other people in a similar position a chance People are grabbing up prime real estate and with the restrictions in terms of not having any of these dispensaries too close together, you're shutting them out of certain areas where there's a lot of tourist traffic, which is really going to make some of these dispensaries incredibly profitable. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and and, and I, I can close my eye. Like uh, I was just thinking of the people who have invested a lot of money into this, you know, thousands of dollars. Uh, I know this one particular group invested uh, 150,000 uh, of their money into uh, a particular uh, group. And, and so these dollars are adding up. And, uh, you know, I say the average applicant had to at least to spend anywhere between maybe 175K to a half a million dollars. And, then, wow. and that's a lot of money to for people to have to look back and, and figure out, I'm not going to get that money back. Beyond that, there were people on a call I was on a couple of days ago. They went and took out small business loans feeling so confident because they met all the criteria. And some are still waiting to get their scores from IDFPR. Others got them. And they're like, I got a point off here, a point off there. Everything is complete. Someone shared this section with me because they had more expertise. They got all the points on their application. I had one taken off. How does that happen? We literally handed in 
you know, an identically typed section. So this is very problematic. It's, it's very disheartening, very upsetting to see people who did, they poured their life savings, they took out loans and if they have to submit a new application, it's not just the application fee. Things may have to be updated because certain things have changed. I don't think it will be the identical application. So I would actually like to see whether it is in this lottery or another one done within a couple of weeks of people who just missed it by a few points to give everyone else a shot with this stellar application return. Wouldn't it be a noble idea, uh, what you just said, like maybe people or groups that missed it by a few points, their fees are completely waived. Uh, and uh, their application will be submitted back to them to make the appropriate corrections, and then they can submit it without uh, incurring extra fees. Because as Ben said, you know, I know a couple of groups that are in debt with law firms in excess of thirty to $40,000, that they just don't have the funds to, uh, you know, write a check right now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how that's going to play out. Outstanding people. I'll make this quick, Ben, because I know we're running long. Al Harrington with Viola, whose goal is to make at least 100 millionaires, uh, you know, pulling people from disproportionately impacted areas to make money in the weed business, didn't get a single slot in the lottery. It might be they didn't have the veteran points, but that was a shocker to a lot of people. Very so, very so. Al Harrington will be on the show in a couple of weeks, right, Lisa? Can yes. we make that happen? Al Harrington will be coming on the show, former NBA player. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. He's going to have a lot to say. Trust yeah. me. That's gonna well, be- I, I want to uh, close this segment of the uh, conversation uh, by just going back to something Lisa said. I, I was taking notes while she was talking. Uh, Lisa has all the numbers. She's been following this very diligently. 37 spaces in the lottery are occupied uh, by one company, uh, I think you said, and you're only allowed 10 licenses. So if they were to win, they would just have to like the throw, I'm throw their licenses away, or maybe, I don't know, maybe the law would allow them to, to sell them to other people. I, I don't know what the rules are at, at that stage, uh, Lisa and Vincent, but that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous that one, one ent- is that right, Lisa? Did I get that correct? Well, one they ent- get up to 10 licenses. So if you hit 10, you're, you're pulled out. I see you're pulled out. So you so, can't win positively. So if Clean Slate Holdings yeah. is truly backing a number of different social equity applicants, some of them will lose out because this one firm is backing a lot of people. It could be they were backing, you know, four different groups with 10 applications each. I, I don't know that. That's why the transparency, because it could be taking spots that other people could have had in the lottery. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, hiding behind LLCs. That which should have been number one that they get rid of. And one of the funny uh, parts, and it is kind of uh, funny, uh, dark comedy in uh, Tom Schuba's story, Tommy's story in today's Sun-Times, which I urge everyone to read, uh, is him trying to figure out 
who the entity, who's behind this particular entity and what he has to do to figure it out. Looking at the address of where, you know, the uh, LLC is, it's a home address and who's the lawyer that represents it. Well, if you compare that uh, with this other entity that owns this other medical or this marijuana uh, establishment, then you can draw a conclusion. It's like he has to be Inspector Clouseau to try to figure out, instead of opposed to the state of Illinois, just literally telling you. And uh, to the Vincent's point, uh, Vincent, you're a little unfair in the city state. Just, be, just to be fair to our governors, yes, there were three governors that went to jail, but it wasn't three out of the last four. Uh, it was three out of about the last. I got to do the math in my mind. Maybe three out of the last six or so. So come on, Vincent, be fair to these governors. Yeah, I'm not going to be fair. I'm going to say I'm going to say three out of the last four. I know it's not three out of the last four, but but I think the people get my point. But yeah. I do want to I, I do want to say this, uh, Ben and, and Lisa. You know, there's a there's an organization, uh, Social Equity Empowerment Network which is uh has just formed uh they're called seen s-e-e-n social equity empowerment network um they are really doing some great things to uh represent the applicants and get out there uh and get into the court system so i do want to shout out the president uh natasha uh netune and uh hopefully uh the listeners will reach out to them and uh google them or try to find them and, and support them because again uh we need as many uh organizations out on the fire line of course normal as well you know and there's some discrepancy there but we won't get into that but uh, we know normal is a very uh, powerful national organization so uh again I, I just think that we need to support those and uh support those minority-owned applicants and really let's talk about the real issue here race I'm so glad you mentioned seeing they formed so quickly when this happened and reached out and hope to get as many equity applicants to be a part of this as possible. And they're trying to join forces with Normal, with Cannabis Equity Illinois Coalition and other groups so everyone can work together to do the best they can to help the state make this right. Yes. All right. Uh, so before we close, I'm going to just briefly switch it to uh, sports. Uh, Vincent often comes on the show and does a sports segment where we talk basketball. A uh, big game tonight. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, coming on in a couple hours, the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors game seven, the decisive game. The winner goes on to play the Miami Heat. Uh, my last guest, Richard Steele, that I uh, just interviewed, I made him make a prediction. He's a big time basketball fan. So, Vincent, I'm going to make you make a prediction. No ducking, no dodging. Uh, you're going to have to come right out and say it. I'm going to write it down and hold you to it the next time you're on the show. Tonight's game, Celtics versus Toronto Raptors. In your humble opinion, which team will be victorious and move on to play Jimmy Butler and his Miami Heat? Make your prediction. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, from day one, you know, I told you that Toronto and the Los Angeles Clippers would be in the championship and the Clippers would prevail. So I'm going to stick with Toronto. Game six, I was nervous, but uh, (laughs) man, Lowry, he really came through. He showed his muscles. And I think Boston is is going to be uh, really there. there. their backs are against the wall because they had a, a, a sizable lead uh, in this series. So now they're in a game seven. Toronto's going to win. They're going to go to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals for, I think, the third consecutive time. And they're going to represent well. And they're going to be victorious tonight. And we'll talk about Miami later. 
Okay. All right. All right. Now, wait. Yeah, I'm going to have some little fun with this one, Vince, before we head out the door. Lisa Salmon knows nothing about basketball. Uh, and I'm going to make ask her to make a prediction. And she could get it. Who knows? She may be right. So, Lisa Solomon, I know you're a huge basketball fan. Who will win tonight's decisive game seven? Will it be the Celtics of Boston or the Raptors of Toronto? Lisa Solomon, no ducking to dodge and go. Okay, I'm going to go with the Raptors. If my boys were home, I would probably have a more educated guess because I watch a lot of sports when they're around. That's hilarious. You would to, she'd go for a lifeline, Vincent, if she could. She'd I would. I would. Hey, I, I think she has a, a – that's a good pick. And uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully uh, later on tonight, you know, we'll be celebrating and uh, uh, we'll come out with this uh, – Real good. Yeah. All right, Lisa Salmon, I will give you $10 if you can name one member of the Toronto Raptors. Go! you got to give me time to Google it. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, let you off the hook. I'm with the Raptors, too. All three of us are with the Raptors, all right? I want the Raptors to win, so I'm just going to say they're going to win, even though, you know, it's it's going to be a neck. I hope it goes down to the wire, maybe overtime. Uh, Vincent, thank you very much for taking time again. I appreciate it. And uh, Lisa Sullivan, you're awesome. Thank you for taking time as well. Uh, I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.